Good morning, Cornerstone. How's everyone doing? Awesome. It's good to be with you uh, this morning, and I just uh, want to give a shout out to our Santan campus. Man, we love you guys. And uh, let's have you guys shout out real loud. Maybe we can hear you out here. Wait, everybody be quiet. No, we can't hear you, so you might be a little too far. Um, But we do. We're glad they're here. We're glad we have some people in our overflow room today. And those who are listening online, uh, we're excited you're here. Uh, My name is Bill Haydorn, and uh, I'm the new pastor uh, over our adult ministries team. And uh, man, I'm just so excited and blessed uh, to be a part of a church like this. I don't know if you realize all the cool stuff that goes on behind the scenes here. Uh, It's super exciting. And I just want to say one thing. I want to thank uh, our pastor, Pastor Lynn, uh, because there is a lot of stuff that goes on here to make this church happen. And you have got a guy who... uh, Man, when he sits back and he thinks about the future and vision of this church, he is thinking about each and every one of you on how, you know what, we can be a church uh, that wins lost souls and then sends those people out into the world to win more lost souls and to grow spiritually. And so, uh, man, can we just give a hand for, our, uh, for Lynn and all that he does? Um, because it's cool. It's really cool. Um, I'm, uh, again, I'm the pastor over all adult ministries. And so uh, here at Cornerstone, we have what's called our three to be. How many of you are familiar with our three to be? Just raise your hand, okay? Those of you who aren't, okay, that's what we're going to talk about today. Um, Our three to be is kind of our spiritual growth process, okay? And it's very simple. And this is how we see it is, you know, when people come to Christ or they come to Jesus, and and, and let's say you're new here, and maybe you don't know anything about God, you don't know anything about Jesus, um, our goal as a church is to help you discover who God is and grow in him and learn about him so that you can live the life that God wants you to live. Okay, and so everything we do is based around that, which is our three to be. And that stands for worship, grow, and serve. And the idea of worship is what we're doing right now. Uh, we get to come in, uh, this is second service, you guys are like, you know, you already had breakfast, you're up, you're ready to go, right? Everybody's awake? Are you guys awake? One of you, two of you. Um, you're, and, and so we're awake, we're ready to go. Um, so... Uh, This is an awesome time to come and hear God's word, to hear Lynn or other speakers teach uh, at at a large group level. But we know in reality that that's not enough. We know that, you know what, if, if that's all you choose to do, if that's all you choose to do is come on a Sunday morning and experience God that way, uh, your spiritual life is going to be somewhat spiritually anemic. You're missing out on what God really has for you. Now, that's why you saw the video up. That's why we're talking about uh, moving. What are you geared for? Because you are geared for so much more. You are geared for so much more, and God has a plan for your life. And so we we move people from worship. We move them out of the purple chairs here, or if you're in Santan, you have the black chairs. Uh, We move, the idea is to move you out of this, this room into a grow group of some sort, Now, here we have so many opportunities to grow. We have an incredible men's ministry, women's ministry, singles ministry. We have a a, a young adult ministry. We also have a ministry for young marrieds. We have a ministry for families. We have small churches. We have incredible small groups. So there is no excuse not to to be able to, to make that gear shift 
from coming on a Sunday morning into being transitioned into a grow group. And then the last is to serve. Because we truly believe what happens is, is that God calls us, God calls us to lay down our lives for others. And as we grow spiritually, what happens? We understand that, you know what, the church isn't about me anymore. It's about others. And so we give the gifts and talents we have back to the church or back to our community. And we say, how can I serve? How can I minister? Whatever word you want to use, how can I use those gifts and talents God has for me? And so you see that process of spiritual growth? So the question I want to ask you this morning is, where are you in that process? Are you someone that just attends? You just come on Sunday and maybe, you know, you show up once a month, twice a month, or even, what if you show up every week? Are you connected anywhere with someone, with a group of people, with a class, with a small group, with a community? And then next week, we're going to talk about serving together. So that's where we're headed. So let me go ahead and pray. And then we're going to discuss this. Um, Father, I thank you for this church. I thank you for these people. And Lord, I pray and ask that you, um, you would use our time right now, that you would challenge those that need to be challenged, that you would comfort those that need to be comfort. Lord, that you would begin to uh, just move in the hearts of each and every one of us that need to make that next step spiritually. So I pray that you would do that in your name. Amen. Um, yesterday... Uh, my son had a football game, and so we were out at uh, Desert, I think it's Desert Ridge Junior High. Anybody familiar with Desert Ridge? It's way out there, way out there. There's scorpions everywhere. Um, and so we're out at Desert Ridge Junior High, and I dropped my family off to go, you know, set up and, and get ready for the game, and, and I was pulling my car around, and I parked, and it was like a half-mile hike to get back to the field. And as I was walking back to the field, I noticed there was this uh, incredible Jeep Rubicon, now, I don't, I don't know, do we have any Jeep guys in here? I'm a Jeep, I love off, none? I'm, okay, a few. Where's all the men? Come on. Um, and so this awesome Jeep Rubicon sitting right there. And I'm looking at it, and I'm like, man, this thing's amazing. I'm, and, and, you know, if you don't know anything about Jeeps, that's all right. But, these, you know, it's got some really expensive, nice tires on it. Uh, it's, it. It has some shocks with the reservoir uh, thing on top, which are really, the shocks probably cost more than my car. Um, you know, and it's got the, the long arm suspension. So what that is, is it, it's able to articulate over huge rocks and things like that. And I'm, I'm, I'm like slobbering over this thing, right? I'm, I'm, I'm over it, and I'm looking at it, I'm looking under it, and I'm I'm looking at all the upgrades and the parts, and, and, and as I'm looking at it, I'm, I'm going, something's wrong with this picture. And, and I realized what it was. I go, wait a minute. Like, all the bolts are shiny. Like, like the tires are, like, brand new, and, and it wasn't a brand new Rubicon. So I'm, I'm looking, I'm, and then I realized this thing has never been off-road. And I'm, I'm, I, I, sure, I'm like, this is a sin. Like, I'm really like, God's in heaven going, that's just a sin. That guy's not going to make it, you know. I'm just kidding. It's a joke. And, 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 but it's a sin because that, that Rubicon was built to go off-road. That thing was built to be climbing hills, and, 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 and it was built to be, you know, to get stuck and, and, and to be pulled out of things, and it was built to, to do things that no other car could do, and yet the, the, probably the most it's ever seen is, you know, running over a curb at the grocery store, and like, ah, off-roading, woo! That's it. I believe that God has built us for something bigger. I believe that God has built you for something huge. 
And that doesn't mean like you just in world change, but, but I mean for you to be growing spiritually, to experience more and more of him. And just like that Rubicon sat there and, and, and nobody probably ever took it off road, God has created us to do some things in our life, to grow and mature spiritually, and we're missing out because we never take that step to go off road. We never take that challenge to say, okay, God, I'm going to put myself maybe in an uncomfortable situation so you can use me. And we're like, nah, I'm comfortable, I'm good. I'm good. My friend, uh, a friend of mine, he, I have one friend, um, <laughs> He graduated from college, and so his dad uh, buys him a Borgette. I don't know if any of you ride bikes, motorcycles. It's, it, and it, a Borgette is like a it's, it's fully customized motorcycle. I mean, every piece on it is billeted and, and car. I mean, even the, the handlebar ends, I think, were little skulls with red eyes that light up and go, tee, 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 you know. Just, I mean, it's just crazy. It's like, an, it's like a work of art. I mean, it's probably a $75,000 motorcycle. And so he gets this motorcycle. You know, it's got the huge back tire. It's got the ghost flames. It's, I, I mean, I'm, it, it, it's a work of art. It's amazing. Two years later, I'm at his house, and we're playing poker, doing something, and, um, and I walk into the garage to get something, and, and I look, and, and there's this motorcycle, two flat tires, an inch of dust. You know, he's got, like, dirty towels hanging off the handlebars, you know, a couple shovels leaning up against it, and a couple pieces of wood, and I'm like, that's terrible. <laughs> that motorcycle was built to run. That motorcycle was built to take out on the highway and just, and just go. And it's sitting here collecting dust with flat tires because he didn't want to take it out. That's exactly how I believe God wants us. Is he sees our lives and he says, you know what? I have so much for you. But you've got to shift your gears. You've got to move forward. You've got to say, you know what? God, if you're challenging me to do something, I'm going to step out and do it. And that's when we begin to mature, is when we trust God and say, okay, God, what do you have for me? And as we think about the, the three to be processed, many of you are at different places. So some of you who are sitting in this room, or if you're at Santan in the black chairs or here in the purple chairs, it is a hard thing for you to think about getting up out of these chairs and joining a community of some sort of getting connected with other people. And so that's what I'm hoping to challenge you with today, is to say, hey, you can do this. You can do this. When I first became a Christian, um, just to be honest, I, I, church was about me. Like, I came to church, and I remember the first reason I came to church was the women. Girls, I wouldn't say it was women back then, so I was just young. But it was the girls. And I, you can look at, you're horrible. It's true. I, I thought, man, there's pretty girls at church, so I'm going to show up, and that's why I'm going to go. And so my brother invited me, and he was already Christian. I came from a non-Christian family, and I'm like, man, the ladies, sweet. I love this place. Um, that's, and <laughs> as I was, as, when I accepted Christ, I realized, okay, it's not about the girls. It's about God. But I was still selfish, See, I remember walking into church and thinking, man, I love, I love when our youth pastor talks. Man, I just get so much out of it. I love the worship team. Man, I just love those songs. Man, I love that everybody pays attention to me and I have all these friends. Man, I love that, you know what, I, I, I get to go to camps and I get to, I mean, it's all about me. I get to do these things. But what happens when that moment comes when it's not about you anymore? Or you get bored with the preaching? Or you get bored with the music? 
And that's what happened. I began to look and I, and, and, and I'd be, you know what, I, I became a critic. I'd be like, oh, I remember that word. I don't like that worship song. Oh, I don't like this sermon. Oh, I don't like, so why don't I go to another church? Or why don't I do this? Or why don't I do that? And we find ourselves, if we don't grow spiritually, we get stagnant, we become critiques, and we go from church to church to church, or we do different things like that, and we never are able to grow because we never want to shift gears and go where God leads us and realize, here's the big key, guys, that it's not about us. It's about him. It's not about us, it's about him. You ever have that friend who, uh, who everything is about them? You know, you're like, hey, well, let's go out to eat somewhere. Okay, I'll pick the place, you know, or hey, let's do this. Yeah, I'll pick what we're gonna do. Sometimes I feel we're like that with God. He's like, hey, I, I have something for you. And you're like, God, but you know, can you listen to my prayers? I need this, this, and this. He's like, yeah, I know you need that, but I, I have a plan, and there's some things I want you to do, and some sacrifice. Oh, I don't want to make those sacrifices, God. Those are a little difficult. So could you just make my life comfortable? Because I think for me, it was easy to live that comfortable life. And if you want to stay in that stage, how's that going to work for you? If you want to stay right there and not grow spiritually, that's really up to you. My challenge for you today is to say, if you're in that place and you haven't made that step of growth, that you can do it very, very easily. Um, turn your Bibles to the book of John. It's almost right, well, it's towards the back, page 826. If I'm assuming you have the same Bible as me. Um, interesting, there's a story here. And let me set it up for you. In the book of John, um, there's another guy that talks about in there, his name is John, but it's not the same John that wrote the book of John, so it can get kind of confusing. Uh, and so it's this guy named John the Baptist we're going to talk about right now, but it's not the same guy that wrote John. And, uh, and, and what's happening in this section of, of, of Scripture that we're going to read is uh, John the Baptist was called the forerunner of Jesus. So his responsibility was to prepare the path for, for Jesus to come. Like, what a cool responsibility. They were born around the same time, but, but John the Baptist started his ministry before Jesus did, okay? And so you have this huge picture uh, of, of, of who John the Baptist is in the book. And, and John the Baptist was this bearded guy. He would eat locusts and honey, and he had really bad breath, and he smelled funny. Um, and he reminded me of Barrett, you know, our worship leader right here? Um, I'm just kidding. Barrett doesn't have bad breath. Um, and, and, but, but you picture a guy, who's, and he's out in the wilderness, and he's, and he's preaching God, if you want to say preaching God, and he's telling people about Jesus' is coming, and he's telling people about the Messiah is going to be here. Well, as he's doing that, he's getting all of these followers, so he's kind of building his own little church. Uh, people are following him, and they're called his disciples. At the same time, now listen, Jesus is starting the same thing. So what's happening here? is as John is, is preaching and baptizing people, Jesus is preaching and baptizing people, John's followers get a little mad. And they're like, hey, wait a minute. We're doing this, and that guy over there's doing it. He's taken away from our stuff. You know? And listen to what it says, if, if you have your Bible again, in, in, in verse 25, in chapter 3. He says, an argument developed between some of John's disciples and a certain Jew um, over the matter of ceremonial washing. 
they came to John and they said to him, listen to what it says, this rabbi, that man who was with you on the other side of the Jordan, they're talking about Jesus. Listen, he says, the one who you testified about, well, he is baptizing and everyone is going to him. Okay, really they're whining. They're really, they're like, oh, like we, we're doing this church thing and, and, and we're, you know, it's growing and then Jesus comes and now everyone's going to him. They're not, how come they're not following us anymore? Now think about that. So John is probably going, you guys are messed up. So listen to what John says to his guys. He says, well, to this John replied, he said, a man can receive only what is given him from heaven. So he looks at his, his disciples, his little, his little students, and he goes, hey, guys, you have to know something. Everything we're doing here, all this baptizing, all this, you know, people coming to follow, the reason we're doing it is because God gave us the opportunity to do it. In fact, that guy over there who's baptizing, he's God. He's the one that is allowing us to do this. Now, as a church, now this is to us, you guys realize that everything we do here is because of God. It's because God gave us the opportunity to do that. There's no man that this is God moving through this community of people and this staff and this church, and he has allowed us to do what we're doing. And I think that's an incredible honor, because I don't know if you realize, we pack out services and we are growing like crazy because of you and because of how God is moving and entrusting us with his spirit in this world. And so that's what John is saying to us. Guys, hey, everything we do here isn't because of us, it's because of him. And then he goes on to say this. He says, you yourselves, in verse 28, you yourselves can testify that I said I am not the Christ, but am sent ahead of him. Okay? So he says, hey, you guys remember, I, I'm, not the, I'm not the chosen one. I'm not the Messiah. I was just sent ahead of him. And I was right there. And, 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 and this is all about him, not about me. And then he goes into something really weird. I'll just be honest. And then he says, the bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. And then he says, that joy is mine and it is now complete. So then he brings up this wedding illustration. And if you read it, you're probably going, what is this even talking about? Why would he do this? Let me tell you just a little bit of history because I think this is important to know in the context of the scripture we're reading because it can be very powerful. So what John is saying is that there's, there, what's happening is like a wedding. And Jesus is the bridegroom. And, and, and the bridegroom is getting prepared to marry his bride, which is the church. And he's getting prepared to marry this bride. And John is the best man at this wedding ceremony, okay? And so John's responsibility is to take care of the bridegroom. Okay, so back then in Galilee, man, women, you would have loved this. The, the job of, of the best man is to take care of all the details, right? Wouldn't that be awesome if, if, if all of a sudden you're like, you didn't have to do anything. You just had to show up. That's the job of the best man. So what would happen was he would take care of the bride price, which was this, they would give you money, the, the family would give the, gir the girl's family money, and they had to take care of all the legal declarations of what that looked like. That would be, the best man would do that. They would take care of the marriage, it was like a marriage uh, commitment, or a, not a contract, but kind of like a contract, it was called a, a ketubah, it was a neat thing, and it just was a, a document that said, if we're going to get married, these things have to be true in our marriage. And so they would list out, like, he has to do dishes every day. 
you know, that's the stuff, you know, or, you know, she can't snore. And if she does, you know, then she broke the contract. But that, that's kind of how it worked. But it was the job of the best man to take care of that. It was the job of the best man to make sure all the details were in place. All of the attention was on the best man before the wedding ceremony. All of the attention. And then what happens is when the groom was ready to be married, he would get up and he would go, I'm going to get my bride. And they would have a huge kind of like a parade and they would run down like in Disneyland, you know, and, and, and I like Disneyland. Um, I don't know if you do, but I do. And so anyway, they, they had this huge parade and they're going and they're celebrating and he's going to get his bride and the bride the bridegroom's best man is so excited because he hears it's finally coming. Now here's the catcher. When that bridegroom shows up, all of the attention is now focused on the bridegroom and away from the best man. Okay, this is important. So now the best man kind of fades into the distance and the bridegroom and the wedding celebration happens. His job is done and, and, and everything. Now it's all about the bridegroom and the bride. Okay, why do I say that? Because look at what it says next in verse 30. This is my life verse, my favorite verse. So John says, he must become greater and I must become less. And some of your Bibles may say he must increase and I must decrease. Um, but the whole idea is this. As we mature and grow, we have to understand this as a core value. That as we get to know God more, he increases in our life and we decrease. That's what John is saying, and that's what this illustrates, that's what this picture is. Is there comes a time where you shift gears and realize, you know what, this isn't about me anymore. And we step aside and we let God do his thing. And we have to shift that gear into saying, okay, God, if you want to use me, then what do you have to increase in my life and what do you have to decrease in my life? And those are the hard decisions we have to make, like stepping out and saying, okay, you know what, I want you to join a community. Hey, I want you, can you start reading your Bible every day? I don't know if I can read my Bible every day. I don't know if I can do, I don't know, I don't even know the Bible. How, where are you going to start? In a community. And we begin to learn and we begin to grow and we begin to understand that something has to change. So maturity then is more about him and less about us. Does that make sense? Do you guys hear me on that? Because I, I think this is, if you can get this, I think this is, this is core in, our, in, in, in growing spiritually. Now turn over uh, to the right about uh, three or four books to 2 Corinthians with me. Listen to what this says. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 14. 5, I'm sorry. I just looked at the notes down there and I'm like, hey, 4, 5? Oh, it's 5. So look at uh, chapter 5, verse 14. Look at it. It says, for Christ's love compels us, right? Because of what Christ did. For those of you who don't know, Jesus, he died on the cross for us. And because he did that, our response it compels us to do things. It says, because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. Verse 15. And he died for all, listen to what it says, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So why did Jesus die? Why did Jesus have to die? So that we could do what we want? 
No, the challenge is so that we can live for him and do what he says and how he wants us to live. That we surrender ourselves. That's a step of spiritual growth. When we say, okay, God, what is it you have for me? Even though it's difficult, I'm going to shift that gear forward. I'm going to mature. And again, we are at all different places. Some of you need to make that initial shift. You've never decided to follow Jesus. You've never surrendered your heart to him. And so you need to shift that forward. Some of you have done that. But you know what? You've never grown spiritually or put yourself in an environment to do that. You need to do that. You need to shift forward. There's some of you have never, you've been coming to church for years and you've never served anywhere. And you need to shift and grow and move forward. Why? Because Jesus died so that we would no longer live for ourselves, but we would live for him. It's not about us. Maturity doesn't just happen. It's, you know, I, if you want to say we have a manual transmission and an automatic, automatic transmission just keeps going. A manual, you have to shift. And some of us are screaming in our gear. We're just going, and we're ready to, I mean, it's ready to explode. That engine is ready to go uh, and explode. Turn over to the left. Sorry about there's so many scriptures. Well, I don't apologize, but... But turn over to the left to Matthew chapter 22 if you have your Bible. So what does God want you to do? I mean, really, that's what it comes down to. How does God want us to live? What are the most important things to him? Because when we find out those things, then those are the things we can live out. Listen to what he says. Jesus replied in verse 37 of chapter 22. Jesus replied, he's given the greatest commandment, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind. He's saying, hey, if you want to follow me, I want you to love. That word love is is the word agape, and it's an undeserved love. It's a love to say, regardless of circumstances, I, I, I need to love God. I need to love him and trust him and obey him and listen to him. So the greatest commandment of all is that we love God with that kind of love, no matter what. And then he says this. In verse 38, he says, this is the first and greatest commandment, 39, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. (laughs) It's love God and love others. Those are the two greatest commandments. He says, hey, I want you to love me, but I want you to love other people. Do you know that God wants us to love him so much? I don't know if you ever realized this. In the Bible, it actually says that if you have something against someone, go and leave your gift at the altar or go and leave your gift uh, you know, before you even go to church and reconcile that person before you come and worship me, that he would much rather have you reconcile with someone than be in church. That's crazy. But that's how important relationship is to God, that we are connected at some place of maturity and growth. I don't know if you ever thought of this either. If, 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 I, I look at this incredible group of people and I think, you know what? If you don't like me, we're in big trouble because we're going to spend eternity together. We are going to spend eternity together. We're going to be in heaven together. And here's the thing. If you don't like people now or you don't like getting connected now you, and you're afraid of doing that, we're going to have a tough time in heaven Because that's when it says we all come together as a family and learn to grow and and we worship God in that midst. Now that's crazy. So here's the challenge then. How can I shift those gears? How can I move towards being more like him? Um, 44% of the letters in the New Testament talk about relationship. 
You, do you realize that? They top 44%. That's huge. It's just assumed that there's relationship. In that, 4% talk about spiritual gifts. So this is what I want to do with you real quick. And, and, and first hour, man, they did an incredible uh, job at this. So we'll see how you do. And Santan, you guys out there, I want you to do this with us too. Okay, I'm going to go through and I'm going to say some verses about loving one another and about the word one another. Because it talks about this over and over in Scripture. Now, when I do this, what I want from you, what I need from you guys, okay, is I need you to do this. I need you to go, that's good. All right? This is after every time I share one. Okay, so what's going to happen is I'm going to read it, and then you're going to go, that's good. Okay? Now, here's the thing. Here's a couple rules, regulations, boundaries. Um, uh, Number one, you can't whisper it like, that's good. Okay? That doesn't work. Uh, You can't talk it like, that's good. You know, like, hey, that's great. You know, but you have to whisper talk, okay? Can you guys do that? Like, that's good. Like this, that's good. And you can nod your head if you want, okay? Which may add to, you know, a little bit. And if you're even, if you're one of those crazy, like, and you're like, hey, that's good. You can do this and kind of do the, the, you know, ah, whatever. Um, And so I'm going to test one out right now and we're going to see if you guys can do this. Okay, so I'm going to say it. And then right after I say this, kind of verse, this, this, this section of verse, I want you to go, that's good, okay? Okay, here we go. Love one another. Oh, man, you, I feel like, yeah, I'm in a jazz club, like, mm. okay, okay, <laughs> okay. Uh, let's try uh, Santan. I, I don't know if I heard Santan. Can we hear Santan? Oh, they're too far. Um, let's try it again. Okay, just a little bit louder. If you could do it a little bit louder. Okay, love one another. All right, that's good. You guys are good. All right. Be devoted to one another. That's good. Honor one another above yourselves. Okay, this group's good. This group is stinking, man. Wow. And you guys are, you're all right. You're good. Okay, so what I need is, I need you guys to step up over here, okay? Just embarrass yourself. That's fine. We'll forgive you. Okay, so, so honor one another above yourselves. That's good. Live in harmony with one another. Build up one another. Accept one another. Okay, here's the problem. You guys are going down as we get into this, which means less people are participating. It's actually supposed to build into like this incredible like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you guys are blowing this for me. Blowing it. So you got to try harder. Okay, so a couple more. Here we go. Care for one another. That's right. Be patient with one another. Yeah, yeah, bear with one another. You hearing this? Yeah, comfort one another. Show hospitality to one another. Confess our faults to one another. Pray for one another. Yeah, that's good, huh? You can't do that unless you're in relationship. How are you going to live these out unless you're connected somewhere with someone? How are you going to live that out? How, how in the world can you live out the one another's if you don't have a place where you can pray for one another, comfort one another, care for one another? See, that's what you were built for. You were built for the one another's. And so what I'm trying to say is I want to transition our thinking from saying, okay, if, if, you, if you decide 
as a family or husband and wife, or if you're single, that you know what, that, that you need to be connected, that you need to get out of these purple chairs here, or those black chairs in Santan, and you need to get connected to a group. It can't be about you. It has to be this idea that you're going in saying, God, how can you use me in here? Because that will change your mentality. Because if you go in and say, okay, what are they going to do for me? We're going to fail you. I guarantee you. You're going to go in and go, oh, man, forget this. But I guarantee you, if you walk in and you say, how, how can I serve? How, how can I make this better? What can I do? God, how can I grow through this? And start asking yourself these questions that it's, it's not about you, it's about him. That is a gear shift of maturity that you're going to be miles ahead of where you were. Is it easy? No. But is it incredible? Yes. And so I want to ask you this question. Are you connected in a group? Are you connected in a group, and, and if these things are true, then hey, you're doing great. If not, then something needs to change. Are you connected in a group where someone knows your name and you know someone, other people's names? Oh, yeah. Play poker every Friday, Bob, you know. And, and, and you know, okay, that's good. That's good. That's step one. Number two, are you in a group where those people can speak freely to you? You know, like when you mess up, <laughs> And you're living and doing stupid things and they're looking at you and saying, hey, why are you doing that? Do you have friends who are able to speak into your life when you're taking the wrong steps? Because if you don't, you're missing out. That's what I'm saying. Not only that, is that group where you can speak into someone else's life as well. Where people trust and there's an honesty and a transparency where you can live that. So someone knows your name, you know their, their name, can they speak freely about you? Can you speak freely? And then the last one is this, or last two, or where the Bible is central to the learning. See, that's why you can't do this at a poker game unless after you're done and whoever wins has to do the Bible study. Right? And then the last one is this, where you're being challenged to grow spiritually. Where you're being, because when those things take place, that's what a grow group is. That's what we talk about. And, and, and here's the cool thing we have this all set up for you guys. We, have, we made it so easy, and sometimes we, maybe because it's so easy, it's so hard. But it's so easy that, that we have small churches that meet every Sunday where you can get finished with the service and go and sit in on a small church. And you know what they do? They do this. They sit around and they talk. Our, our building God's marriage of small church is amazing. They sit around and they talk about, man, how can we raise our kids the right way? We have adult Bible classes that challenge, that sit and we, you go through and, and, and talk through scripture together. We have uh, an after I do class, that's amazing. We have men's ministry, women's ministry, all of these different ministries that are available to you. And you know what we have also? We have what's called small groups. And you know what small groups are? It's a bunch of people getting together and saying, hey, how can we challenge each other? How can we grow? How can we learn? How can we live life? How can we do what God has called us to do? Love one another and be the church. Be that community. So the challenge for me to you is to say, hey, you're geared to do more. And here's the thing. I'm a marketing major. I have a degree in marketing. I know. Here's what I know. I know that if you get in one of those groups, it's going to change your life. It's going to change your life for the better. Because when you get cancer, if you get troubles in your marriage, if you have troubles with your kids, 
You know who you're going to go to? You're going to go to that group of people. So what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to pray. And, uh, and I want to challenge you. you. You probably got one of these when you walked in. If you didn't, they're at the information booth. It's a list of all of our ministries to get connected, to try one of these groups out. If it doesn't work for you, try another one. But I guarantee you, in shifting gears, your maturity, your relationship with God, your relationship with your spouse, your family will grow immensely. Amen? All right. Let me pray. Father, I thank you for that challenge for me and for everyone in here that, man, if we just make that next step, if we would just be comfortable enough to take on your challenge, to love others, to be in a community of some sort, um, that we would do that. And so I pray for this group. I pray right now that you would move in the hearts of our people and that they would take that on in your name. Amen.